0: Don't you wish your life came with a warning app?
1: That dog does not want to be petted.
0: (laughs) Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at doihadprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
2: Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, it is the seventh anniversary of the S&P 500's post-financial crisis low. That is what we're talking about.
0: This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some.
2: March 9th, 2009 was a dark day for the financial markets here in the United States of America. The S&P 500 closed at 767, only three digits. And now, seven years later, look where we are. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul Vini and Steven Grossi here on the seventh anniversary of the post-crisis Lehman panic market lows, joined by... Our buddy, Jeff Rogo, and yeah. every, I don't think, Phil, have you actually been on this podcast since you've been on it? I, I, yes. Yeah, yes. but I, not I, in a while since you started your he new was Phil, He was on the original. He was on the original. I think he
3: even made it onto the Market Phil League Izzo, everybody. Podcast.
2: Phil Izzo, everybody. Yes. And Phil, Phil, you got a new title today. Very exciting. On title. Wednesday. On the anniversary. The anniversary. That's so why wait, what's your me. new... Now you work on our digital product, the mobile yes, product, right? The mobile product. Well, your... uh,
0: now I'm working on our hub. Give I'm it a little the, plug. Give it a little plug. The deputy digital news editor. Um and I was doing our Whats News app which, right. but I've just moved on from that although the product is still fantastic and you should right. totally And have you
2: one. were critical in building it.
0: Of, of course. Yes. yes. I was so the
2: only one that got it done And it actually it is really good.
0: Um so let, let's talk
2: about 7 years ago
3: the copper and wood anniversary that's what you're supposed to get on the 7th year.
2: Oh uh, and you know what grocer you printed out a lot of pages for me. Yes. Which are made of pulp Have you read any of them? Thank you for that. I did. I looked at them. I I glanced at them. Uh, Seven years ago today, everybody, the S&P 500 closed at 767. That was the low. It traded during the day at an even lower level. That was a closing low. At that point, it's very interesting because one thing I remember distinctly that week is talking to one of my sources who, you know, I don't need to name the guy, but, I mean, one of my better sources, one of these all, all, you know— one of these FAs that were always kind of up about where the market was going through the whole crisis. And the thing I remember so distinctly is calling this one person on the phone and saying, you know, hey, uh, you know, how are things going today? What do you think? And, and he was just so despondent. So, you know, like somebody was holding his arms and another guy's kicking his puppy and he's watching and he can't do anything about it. You know, just total throw in the towel mentality. It was the worst. And I just remember that and Thinking, yeah, that, that's a sign. That's definitely a sign. Not that I called the low. I'm not saying I did. But it, it, it had reached that kind of a point where even the most optimistic people on the street were really, really just
3: done. Oh, I think there was no doubt that it, yeah. it felt like capitulation. Um, but I don't think many people, as at any point during capitulation, felt like it was the bottom. I mean, you know, the really the amazing thing about this was the rebound you had the very next day and for the rest of the week where the, uh, the Dow gained over 600 points. And, you know, was looking back at some of the stories that we pulled, I thought one of the, – there's a quote in there. He's like the, – where the guy basically says, is this the bottom? I don't think so. It might be a short-term bottom. But, I mean, they yeah. were not willing even with that, you know, uh, rebound. Um but it, you know, it, it it was still. I mean, people forget how dark it was during right. that period, and for months, for yeah. months, we right. have to
0: remember. I mean, like it, it really started getting dark in what October, November, and then it just well September. They I had, mean, you, you know, know, there was the inauguration because that was the election that had right. just happened, uh, and they were there was hope that that would make everything better, and then the f- stress test came out, and that didn't quite go right. the way that we thought it was going to go, and uh, that was a big disaster at first. Geithner came out, thought he was going to. Completely, yeah. Geithner's
3: plan in February, the markets tanked on.
2: Yeah. well, and that was Geithner's first, first appearance, plan. yes, first press conference as Treasury Secretary, and yeah, I mean it was like a 400 point day on the Dow down. <laughs> I mean it was just it was it was bad.
3: It was nearly a. I mean, to be honest, it was nearly a year because you have to go back to Bear Stearns. The previous spring, March. right? Yeah, and it was you were. I mean, I think the markets and everyone were nervous from that point on. That summer was not comfortable. You had Fanny and you know Freddie right. in trouble. Yeah. You had Paulson talking about the bazooka, right. and then you know you went into you, you well, know, and, September. And, you had Lehman. You had um, and and, and well, in think,
2: that and in that summer too, you had oil hits one hundred forty five. It cra- you know, goes real high. That just put a total clamp on the economy.
3: Just that
0: there was those lull periods yeah. that that was why nobody was willing to bet it was the bottom because like right. you had that lull over the summer where things seemed to be stable for a little while where you know well we got past bear stearns i remember when here at the journal where we thought like bear stearns was like a once in a lifetime thing and like little did we know that a couple of months later it, it sure. was going to be completely left in the dust and that was going
3: to look like a blip right no, to, i mean one of our reporters kate kelly who's now went to cnbc she she went on book leave yeah. I mean, thinking that, you know, Bear Stearns right. was a story.
0: So did, so did David Wessel, yeah. our, our uh, economics yeah. writer. He was on book leave, writing a book about Bear Stearns when the whole crisis yeah. hit.
2: Hey, you know, I, I want to bring in Jeff Rogo, and I have a feeling that Rogo's not going to say a word until I acknowledge the fact that three months ago on this podcast, he said that the market was going to turn around and rebound, and in three months it would be basically where, where it was at that time. The only thing he got wrong on that, is that he said Tom Brady would have a fifth Super Bowl. Or which break. one you he, he, he care ball. more about? Right, right. which right one is he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were right about the markets. You were wrong about Brady.
1: I mean, it's, it's a it's a rare sight when I'm wrong, but I will admit I'm wrong on Brady. It's pretty obvious I was going to be right about the market. Um, well, let's let's take a step back into into that time period. I think what yeah. was interesting about it, uh, you know, like Phil, Phil was covering economics, I was covering the market, and as you talk to people... You know, I, think, I think that that summer, as you mentioned, was a really important part. But it was interesting when the switch went from you had the government and you had the Fed making all these moves. You had everything from cash for clunkers to the auto bailout, all this stuff that was supposed to make investors feel more comfortable. And it scared the you-know-what out of them. Mm-hmm. And at some point, people started buying into that, buying that it was actually going to help. But I remember those early days... People were saying the government thought it was helping by creating all these unprecedented, unique things. And look, they could have waved a magic wand, we're going to fix everything, and everyone would have said, I think the wand's broken. Because they were just so nervous at that mm. period of time. And it was interesting. Everything the central bank and the government threw at investors on in the market served to scare people, even if it was the right thing to do.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. let, let's, let, let's take a break right here. Uh, I know we could go on for a few more minutes, but I think the next couple of topics we hit are, are going to need their own segment. So let's take a break. We will come back on the other side of this uh, quick message.
0: Don't you wish your life came with a warning
3: app?
1: That dog does not want to be petted.
0: <laughs> well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. Take the one-minute test today at org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
2: I'm John Wardock. Want updates on the biggest stories of the day? Then listen to What's News from the Wall Street Journal. From top business stories...
3: Apple says if they weaken the security of their
1: phones, they make their customers' data
3: more vulnerable.
2: To the economy... I think American consumers uh uh, alive and doing well. To election 2016...
1: Today's a big day in presidential politics, obviously. It's the day of the New Hampshire primary. Check back several times a day and enjoy What's News from the Wall Street Journal WSJ podcasts listen ambitiously now back to the show
2: welcome back to the money beat podcast Paul Venia Steve Grosser Jeff Rogo and Phil Izzo talking about the 7th anniversary Of the uh, post-crisis lows, March 9th, 2009, S&P 500 closed at 676. Today, it is up almost three times that amount. I mean, you know, very, very high. One of the things I think is interesting, and, Phil, it's good that you're here so we we can talk about this, is, you know, Rogo, you talk about everything that was being done back then to try to restore confidence. And obviously, obviously, the biggest one is the Federal Reserve and everything the Federal Reserve did And I remember there was, you know, look, you can argue about how effective the Fed has actually been and what they've done and whether they've just kind of loaded us up with more debt and all these things. But they cut rates to zero. They put in three big stimulus programs QE1, QE2, QE3. At the very least, Phil Izzo, they certainly
0: turned the capital markets around. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's, it's hard to argue that they, that we would not have seen things be much worse if the fed wasn't there and you know you forget that ben bernanke and hank paulson it was almost like an accident that those two guys were in charge of things at the time that i mean like could you imagine if like john snow had been the treasury secretary like it just so happened that the i mean this is one of those things that the people who fight the fed put as an example of how everything's all screwed up but you know you had the former chairman of goldman sachs and the uh And the world's foremost expert on the Great Depression in two of the most powerful positions in the country right as all this stuff was happening. I mean, there are scenarios where there are people in there who could never have been able to handle that. I mean, like we had probably the two best people for whatever has happened since then at that time to deal with a crisis like that. you, You kind of couldn't have imagined two better people to deal with it.
2: We're more equipped, people. Boy, I want to put my tinfoil hat on right now. I can see it in your eyes. I know. I I can see the flames I I want to take this podcast in a totally different (laughs) direction. But,
3: but, I mean, you're right, Phil. I mean, you know, and this has always been the argument about the legacy of the Paulson and Bernanke and the policies they instituted is, like, we didn't fall off that cliff. And, you know, so it makes it very, you know, if we had, if, if yeah. you almost needed to fall off that cliff to show people how bad it could have been. It's hard to prove a negative. I exactly. Mean, like, That's I mean, what I was trying like, to say. We, I,
0: this sounds so crazy now, seven years later, talking about it and thinking back on it. But, like, we really felt like. That we were in for canned foods and shotguns, like that. There was like that. We weren't. People no, weren't going to be paid. Bloomberg, there was that, a like,
3: Bloomberg story, remember? Like that was subsequently proven not to be that accurate about bankers getting gun permits and <laughs> buying, you know, lodges up in the Adirondacks. Right. it Really, and looked it didn't like, seem crazy. That, like it,
0: it could have been the end of our financial system. I mean, I know and that the, sound. That sounds so crazy, but it really felt that and way. And that's yeah.
1: the, and the thing that was amazing about that is they're bankers. They should have bought more expensive homes, the Adirondacks. <laughs> right. But the things were so bad that. Was <laughs> the only thing they could afford at the time.
3: And you look at the headlines, I mean, like, just going back, you know, there's a headline where it's like, basically in 2008, 18% of, you know, uh, American, you know it, Americans have lost 18% of their wealth in that period. Um, you know, more bailouts for city, more bailouts for insurers. I mean, GM considering bankruptcy, which they would eventually.
1: You, you just know, you ran through. out of I superlatives mean, because yeah. everything was so
0: everything got like progressively so big. If if economy Googled, worse since eighty two.
1: If you if you tried to find the word unprecedented in our newspaper, you'd <laughs> probably see it three hundred and fourteen times a day, because right. we just it just yeah. that was what was going on.
0: Yeah. I mean it screwed up the econ charts for a generation. I mean if, if you look at an econ right. chart now, you can't see a direction for anything because the the recession was so deep and so hard that it just completely overwhelms every other little everything that we thought was so remember, remember how bad we thought the 2000 recession was and then the 1991 recession was? I mean like compared to what we didn't we didn't know anything. I mean like it it made the 80 the recession in the 80s look like it was a blip. Right. Right. And
1: yet here we are. That's right. Seven. And that does
3: bring the the point. I mean, you know, of the effectiveness of subsequent QE's and stuff like that, we're still in a two percent growth period. Um, wages haven't moved. Um, you know, there's still the pain of the of you know the this financial crisis is still very much with us you can see that in the feelings that we had just earlier this year as the markets became much more volatile everyone sort of having this expe- expectation that we were going to fall into another recession that the n- next financial crisis is oh, around and, the corner
2: and i think that gets to the the question of was the crisis really solved or did we just paper yeah. over all the problems and kick them down the road, and, and that's what you think. I mean, when, when people talk about a recession, a slowdown, what, what they're really saying is that nothing was really fixed. You know, great, the S&P 500 is up 200% since 2009, since the bottom. What does that mean for the average person on the street? Nothing, virtually nothing, well, which, is why, which is why you have two people running for office who really have, you know— I don't want to say they have no business running for office, but I mean, you know, like anyone can run for president. But I mean, under normal circumstances, they would not be making the inroads that they're making. Well, that's another thing in a seven year
0: bull market. You would think, I mean, we've had we have. Been, it's been a long time since the recession. So, you would expect if you've had this much period of growth that people would be confident about the economy. I mean, right. but they're not, but they're still they're not. angry and they yes. still feel like they're being left behind and they still feel like it's a recession because we never saw that like snap back to growth. And I think that I mean, we've talked about this a lot of times, but yeah. I think that because the recession was so deep yeah. and they, you know, they did all these sort of, like, put Band-Aids on it programs to try to fix it. And, I mean, I think that's probably what we've been doing for the last yeah. seven years.
3: And even before, I mean, the Fed ever instituted the QE, I mean, one of the things you look at going back to, you know, these stories that we were writing, going back to, you know, some of the blog posts we were also writing – the expectation at this point was that this was not going to be a, a strong recovery. This we this was a deep recession, and it was going to take years for us to come out of this. And, and very few people were expecting a snapback.
1: Right. And I'd be remiss in this. I think it's worth bringing up one other point here. So we've had a lot of conversations about the economy in seven years. We should also look at the market dynamics that have changed in seven years. Oh, yes. Years. I think that's very And important. if we look at the, the, the market itself, totally ignoring the economy... We have high frequency trading making up a much larger component than it did in two thousand and eight. We have a bond market that is incredibly liquid at eighty percent, maybe twenty percent is more liquid. We've got a global economy that's more connected than it's ever been. We saw the impact of China earlier this uh, earlier sorry late last year, early this year and so no matter what happens to the economy, what's fascinating for those that play in the market is there are. There's a very real change in the ecosystem of trading. And I'm not saying that to scare people. I'm saying that so that they have a knowledge base of the the microcosm of you buying and selling securities, the people that you do business with, is very different than seven years ago. And it hasn't really been tested it will at yeah. some point because nothing yeah. goes on forever. And you should know that and think about that when you're looking at your portfolio.
3: But, yeah, no, I Absolutely. mean, like the rise of ETFs is another huge thing yeah. that's had a big I didn't even back. talk about the rise yeah.
1: of ETFs. We've looked at the – we saw the stress on ETFs and yeah. what that did in April. We've seen the, the use and the, the investment in different types of structured energy products from MLPs to uh, natural gas and oil ETFs. All of this stuff has – it's not a negative externality in the market. It's just something we don't know.
2: And, You know, it's it's interesting to you. Throughout, you know, since last May when the market crested, you've had a couple of big drops. Oil has obviously been a disaster, but I mean, at no certainly in the U.S. stock market,
1: at, at no point did anyone really panic.
3: No, they we really the, didn't. We I mean, the,
1: we had the fifteen percent decline from July to February this year. Um, so that's from. Peak to trough, fifteen percent.
2: Uh,
1: but, but I mean, did There was no. no. There people was,
2: sold. People did what the market was telling them to do. Yeah. People did what their portfolios. Yeah. But I mean, you no look point, at the volume
3: well, figures of, in January and February. I mean, they were high. They were elevated. From, yeah. But you know, volume figures have been very low, and they and these were muted for really a right. panic it, well, sell yeah, off. Well, it's
0: funny, the, you, Jeff. You bring up the the role of high-frequency trading and robots and all that, I think that actually kind of can act as a stabilizer in a way where humans were so much a part of things in the past, whereas they're really not as big a part of trading in a day-to-day basis. I mean, when you go down to the floor of the Stock Exchange, that's like Colonial Williamsburg over there now. Yeah. There's no real people down there. Everything's being done by robots. So in, on the, the bad side, it can, be a, you know, it, it can feel like there's no circuit breakers in place. But also on the good side, you, can, you get to a certain level and the robots are like, oh, wait, this is cheap like if you look at the math underlying this like there's a certain point where they jump in and buy because and I think that can sort of work against that panic mentality
3: but they also can disappear can can exacerbate it and that's and what that's,
1: happened on the flash crash 6 right, yeah, 2010 right, the robot said we're turning the machines but turn the machines back on. I think one of the, the interesting
3: like, there's an interesting comment that was like you know talking about how the market structure and how you know trading has fundamentally changed because of regulation and other things that were you know born out of the financial crisis and he was like, we've, we, we've learned how to trade this market. But we haven't learned how to actually read the tape, and so it's the, I think there's a fundamental lack of understanding of what's going on and, and how that relates to the actual economy. Look, it is
1: so tough to read the tape when rates are still at zero and central yeah. banks are still doing what they're. That, that we have negative R- rates. R- rates are below. Right, right. We have right. negative I was rates. Yeah. It is crazy. The bond, yeah. the, the, the ten-year bond. If you look at that and the ten-year treasury. Look, we've had this big bounce since since I was in here making my call. But the 10 is still under two percent. Right. It's not. It's not like and, people are going risk on across and, the world. And, so. it,
3: and, it, and it's also the, like the highest <laughs> yield among like the the major among the countries. Major. Oh, it's
2: it's much yeah. higher. Yeah. Germany's is you know it's, it's which, which, two which should something. be pointing
3: to that the U.S. is the riskiest place to invest right now. Sure, to, you sure, know, yeah. the, you know, government-wise. Yeah,
2: it's crazy. <laughs> you know, I talked to a guy. You, know, you talk about the market and how it's changed and, and no one's going to shed a tear for, for market denizens. But I was talking to a guy the other day who had left a brokerage and, and struck out on his own doing research and data and analytics and everything. And he had just said that, you know, it's. The, the changes are making it harder to make money. The brokerages are getting squeezed. The big banks, you see it quarter after quarter in, in their balance sheets. Trading is becoming harder for them to make money at. Yeah,
1: I mean, Citi said this yesterday, that they yep. said as bad as 4Q was, Morgan Stanley just laid off 25% of their fixed FIC division because of how bad 4Q. 1Q is just as bad. Yeah. Citigroup CFO said this yesterday. They're not making money off of this. We saw hedge funds, this huge proliferation in the pre 2007 2008 period that did okay during the crisis some of them they've had a terrible three year run right so who i'll ask who is making money uh warren buffett and carl icon <laughs> no but i, I mean for but, a while uh, for a while tech for a while yeah. we had the the facebook and the twitter ipos and we saw this big tech boom and it's that's pretty a clear ago. That is, that's that is, already a while ago. That no, is I mean,
3: right. But our story the other day, I mean the mutual funds that were snapping up these shares because this is where the returns were. Yeah. And and on the secondary on you know the private markets are now revaluing but all, is, all those shares. But,
2: but so, that you is you know what, chicken to, dinner. To make sure people don't miss your original point, which I thought was important, the market has changed tremendously and it has not been tested in this new form yet. And and that's the thing, especially when we're talking about seven years ago. That's the thing to really keep in mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, we had talked about it briefly. We didn't the regulation itself also changed the dynamics. Dodd Frank has changed where the, the trading centers across these markets are. And and the the banks and the hedge funds like to blame Dodd Frank and they like to say, Oh, this made us do all these things. But it doesn't really matter if it's their format. We this is the environment we're in. Right. So you need to evaluate what that means for your investments, what that means for your future. And and how comfortable you feel with things.
3: Yeah, one of the things I would like to you know before we end this is mm-hmm. point out is, on the day that you know we hit our bottom, at the top of uh, C one. Guess who was the uh, whose thick uh, picture was there? Donald, Donald. Trump.
2: <laughs> no. Yes, Donald Trump. What's Seven the story? Seven years What's later, he's still
3: on the front page. Economic tumult besets Trump property projects. He was, his, his projects were running into trouble out in Las Vegas, which was you which
1: know, was one of the epicenters one of,
3: well, yeah, one of, of the, the epicenters was crash, right? That
1: sounds like a made-up story. <laughs> a, I don't believe it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a huge story. Huge, <laughs> huge, 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 huge. C3. C3. C3? C3? Mm. Yeah. C3, you're going to love it. i are going to love C, that story. You're be I very actually happy was like, going it.
3: through it. I was like, C3 was actually a good read. You're
1: going to be very happy with <laughs> it. What are you trying to say it's not a good read now?
3: No. I mean, it had some big
1: stories. <laughs> look, I make sure C3 is a good read every night. So there you go.
2: There you go. All right. Let's let's uh, let's leave it there. I think we're running out of intelligent things to say. And while we could go on, you don't really want to hear that, folks. Uh, all right. So it's Wednesday, March 9th, 2016. Seven years ago, the S&P 500 hit its bottom. Today it is much higher, but it's still down from its highs. Where it all goes from here, we will just have to wait and see. And you will have to catch us on the next Money Beat podcast. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.